Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we focus on strategic affairs and in particular on the Quad Alliance between India, the US, Japan and Australia. The occasion for doing so is statements made by India's Chief of Defence Staff, General Bipin Rawat, on September 3rd, where he said that the Quad Alliance can be a mechanism to ensure freedom of navigation in the Indian Ocean and surrounding regions. He said this will ensure that there is no fear of any other nation singularly trying to dominate the ocean. So, there are of course not so subtle references to China here and General Rawat's statement introduces the idea of a militaristic aspect to the Quad. And that's why things get interesting because although the Quad Forum goes back as far as 2006, the alliance has always refrained from exhibiting a military purpose, largely because China has always viewed it with suspicion. India thus far has also been wary of joining any kind of military alliance that would be that would involve it choosing sides between any of the world's superpowers. But on the other hand, could the unprecedented situation playing out in the LAC now with China force a rethink? And is that what General Rabbit's statement was hinting at? Joining me on the podcast today are Suhasini Haider, the Hindu's national and diplomatic affairs editor, and defense correspondent Dinakar Perry. Dinakar and Sohasini, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having us on. So, uh, Dinakar, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, it's been a few days now since uh, the second flare-up uh, along the along the LAC. Um, and, um, you know, so we've had a couple of days now to contemplate and get some more good reporting in as to what's actually going on. So, uh, I'll just start with that kind of uh, status update from you. What uh, What do we know so far about uh, the extent of this second flare-up and what are both sides saying? Uh, so, uh, as you said, the second flare-up, th- this time the, the the tensions are on the south bank of Pyongyang. So, as we have seen in the last, for the last four months, in fact, it finishes four months tomorrow, you know, the standoff, which began early May. Then it was largely focused on four or five areas, standoff areas, large, uh, and one of the biggest was north bank of Pyongyang, so uh, along the finger area where Chinese came in, you know, built up till finger four of Peng also. Now, in, the, in this fresh escalation in tensions, on the night of 29th and 30th, the army said that Chinese tried to do some, uh, did some provocative movements and attempted to come close to some of the unoccupied peaks on our side of the LAC, line of actual control, in the Chushul sector on the south bank of Peng also. So, to preempt that, the army said they have undertaken some movements, dominated some heights and features which were unoccupied since uh, 1962 war and on our side of the line of actual control. So since then, tensions have been running high in the area. There is a massive deployment on both sides. I mean, forces. there is already a build-up. Now the forces have been moved closer in this sector. In this area, in fact, the army, India has a good control of the area. Thakum, uh, there is a major base. And along that, there has been a considerable build-up in the last several years. 
India, India has fortified its positions in this area. So India has, has, is in a good dominating position, otherwise has good hold. And with this, they are overlooking some of the key heights into the Sangur gap, which on, on the other Moldo, which is uh, facing the R side of the uh, LACN into China. So the friction remains. There is a build of uh, uh, tank and armored build up as well, apart from troops and so on. So talks have been going on at the brigadier level to de-escalate in the local area, but not much has happened in the last five days. The today is the fifth day of talks. They are underway as we speak, but nothing has really happened as of now. And army chief was in the area yesterday and today. He just got back. In fact, and he, he also acknowledged that there's, there, are, there is some tension and they have done some deployments to uh, safeguard the territory and our own safety and security around the LAC. So that's where it stands right now. Right. Dinakar, you know, on a previous episode, we had spoken about uh, the core commander level uh, talks and uh, we kind of discussed how there, there have been several rounds of it now, but there's still kind of no uh, timeline or actual basis on which to proceed. And um, so as the talks are going on, as you said, there has been the second flare up. Uh, so is there like, is there a sense that there is, there is a major disconnect now between what's happening um, in those talks and what's happening on the ground? Uh, yes, that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, uh, there have been five rounds of core commander talks so far, other than at the lower level, you know, major generals and brigadiers, and also the diplomatic level talks, WMCC. But so far, apart from just the initial first phase, even the, what do you call it, the first partial phase of disengagement, nothing, things have not moved at all. Even this had happened late June and in the first week, first and second week of July, where Chinese have moved back from the tension site in Galwan and then the petroleum point 15, then 17 Alpha and the Gogra Hot Springs area and then Pengong. So things remain the same. Chinese remain, continue to occupy the ridge lines of Finger 4, where they have just moved back from the base, but remain on occupying the high ground on Finger 4. So that's where the design process has stalled practically. And since then, several round of talks, every round of talk, Chinese agree that you know the process has to be taken forward, but on the ground there is no movement. So and the talks have been only agreeing on more talks. Things have not been moving on the ground. And there is and now there is a flash fair up on the south bank of Pengongso. And because of which now there is a general alert along to uh, Chumur and DBO and other areas as well. I mean, further heightened alert along. Right. So, Dhanakar, we'll move toward uh, talking about uh, the Quad um, the quad Alliance now. And before I come to Suhasni, uh, so uh, who will give us uh, slightly more, uh, some more background on this, um, how do you think, what's, what, what are the statements now coming out from, um, you know, leading out from this situation that we're having with China at the moment? And, um, you know, is that pushing us toward uh, sort of and uh, sort of reassessing our position within the squad alliance. So that, that in fact, uh, yesterday, Chief of Defense Staff General Bipin Rawat made a statement, uh, made some comments speaking at a webinar, which were quite significant because they are a departure from our state stand on quad, where we have been quite reluctant to engage quad beyond a point. We have said it was a mechanism for discussion, discussing strategic issues, but we never really gave a, we shied away from giving it a, a military aspect or military angle to quad despite several you know suggestions and speculations this is uh, what Rawat said was you know he actually said we, quad should become a platform and a system to uh, 
oversee freedom of navigation and he actually used the word phone ops freedom of navigation operations in the in the indian ocean and around which is quite a departure if it becomes a policy of the government of india it's going to be quite a departure from india's own stand on quad so far and the timing as you said it comes in the midst of this uh, unprecedented standoff on the border on the in fact the disputed boundary along you know along the lac with china this the most serious such uh, flare up in five decades so the timing is quite significant right so suhasni i'll come to you now um and like i said um, i think we just need to get some more background on uh, the quad and india's kind of um sort of traditional reluctance to uh, you know to really signing up in earnest uh, what's been india's position on the quad how has it evolved well you know the uh, the quad actually began uh, more than a decade ago and the idea of the quad was a coordination between the four countries that had uh, somehow just come together during the tsunami of 2005 and we saw um, us japan australia and india as countries that not only were able to deal with their own calamity when it came to the tsunami Uh, on the shores of um, you know us islands in the indo pacific or australia uh, and indonesia and then india of course uh, was badly hit on its southern coast as well but they were all able to actually help with the countries worst affected in this region and that's how they first came together there was a larger uh, uh, sort of uh, idea behind it which came uh, interestingly from prime minister shinzo abe who was a was prime minister in japan for a brief period then in 2006 when he spoke about really an arc of prosperity bringing together the democracies of the region um for different reasons the quad really never took off after that um and one of the reasons was of course that china looked at it with a lot of misgivings and neither australia nor the us at the time wanted to go ahead with a grouping that looked like it could become a coalition to contain china so that's the background of why uh, india too has been uh, has been cautious about entering into any kind of uh, of a, of an alliance or a coalition that could be seen as uh, you know trying to contain india's largest neighbor uh, one of the reasons is of course india's own bilateral ties with china uh, the second has been india is wary of being part of any alliance and even as recently as a few weeks ago external affairs minister uh as jay shankar said that india will never be a part of what he called an alliance system prime minister modi has also said that the indo pacific itself cannot be a strategy it must be a geographical concept um then you add to the idea that if india's biggest challenge from china and that's what we're seeing what dinkar was talking about uh, at the line of actual control if that biggest challenge from china is essentially a territorial one one on land then coming together as the quad uh, may help with phone ops or freedom of navigation patrols uh, in the south china sea or in the indo pacific but it doesn't really help india with its own problem when it comes to a 3500 kilometer line of actual control um for all these reasons not to mention the fact that india uh, would not like to only be seen as part of a quadrilateral it's also part of uh, so many other formations like the sco or bricks and um uh, and and rick even Ru- russia india china uh, while if you remember us japan and australia are actually treaty allies 
uh, and are in an alliance with uh, with the U.S. Both of these countries are. Um, having said all of that, those were the reasons for the traditional misgivings. But perhaps what we're hearing from the CDS, and Bitka's absolutely right, it's startling to hear uh, the chief of defense staff speaking in terms of specific operations, uh, military operations to be conducted as a part of the quadrilateral. Uh, perhaps that is something that has uh, uh, emerged really from the way India has perceived its challenges over the last few months. Uh, China's continuing aggressions at the line of actual control, the continued uh, failure, if you like, of talks at various levels. And even when the talks deliver an agreement, that agreement does not seem to get uh, implemented on the ground. Um, given all of that, it, it, it does seem as if uh, what the CDS is trying to say is if if this is not going to work out, India is open to re-looking at and reviewing some of the areas where in the past, out of some consideration for China, India perhaps didn't look before. Right. And so over the past few months, um, we have to note that, it, that it, India is not the only country that has been facing uh, trouble with China. Um, Australia and Japan um, have, also had their, have also shared similar concerns. So in, in, this, in this period, especially just going back to when our own border trouble started with China, has there been an increased push from uh, Australia and Japan for India to join? Well, you know, there is the overarching uh, uh, situation we find ourselves in, and it should seem completely disconnected, but it isn't. And that is the coronavirus pandemic. The right. idea that that originated in China and yet China somehow failed the world when it came to informing the world about what this pandemic would mean, how to counter it. Uh, and China was ahead of the rest of the world. So there was time for it to have warned the rest. There's been many misgivings about China's role in the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and we even saw Australia, for example, taking China head on and trying to uh, launch some kind of an inquiry into whether the, uh, the virus had originated, um, other countries joining in as well. Uh, so there has been a lot of tensions when it comes to this particular um, theater, if you like, over the last few months. Then there is the U.S.-China tensions that began really after uh, January when they had a mini trade deal go through. But after that, uh, it is clear that the Trump administration is now uh, taking China head on. So you have the, U the, the coronavirus uh, tensions, you have the U.S.-China tensions. Uh, and then um, you have uh, what we're seeing is China's increasing aggression in the South China Sea. So countries like Vietnam, the Philippines, Indonesia, and others there have complained about the fact that China is attacking their fishing boats or is, uh, is uh, controlling more of the islands there, stopping uh, traffic from going through. Um, in the middle of all of this, and it really is not necessarily connected, but it's part of the larger palette, is what we are seeing as the LAC uh, tensions. And, and I think that's essentially where we are when it comes to whether we tie up with other countries to deal with China or we essentially keep this bilateral is really uh, the biggest indicator of the way forward. Remember, up till now, India has not really raised their, uh, the issues with China and the bilateral um, the the line of actual control uh, tensions, the other tensions that they've had between Delhi and Beijing, and then, of course, India's retaliation when it comes to economic measures. None of these have been raised publicly with a third country. Uh, but 
it may happen as the as the crisis continues across the line of actual control that actually tactics change, uh, strategies change as well. Uh, you were mentioning what Australia and Japan are looking for. Let's be honest, one single indicator could be the Malabar exercises. And, and Linkar can tell you more about the significance of the Malabar exercise, but it's an area where, um, uh, where uh, India has been uh, regularly exercising with the US. It also then added on Japan. Uh, and yet has, uh, despite several requests from Australia over the last few years, has not yet announced that Australia would be a part of it if, the, if they do join the exercises and the Quad gets, if you like, quote-unquote, militarized in that sense. I think that would be one single uh, strong message that would go out from India and it would be a shift from the past. Does the CDS's statement really point to that? We don't know yet because that announcement has not yet been made. Right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good cue. Dhanakar, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the Malabar exercises? Because, um, you know, I, I've only read about this in passing. Um, perhaps it's something that we could explore a little bit more in detail. What, what, what are these exercises and what has been the recent conversation around them? Uh, as uh, Swasni mentioned, Malabar has grown from strength, you know, which began as a bilateral India-US naval exercise. Even, even as a bilateral, it was limited in scope at one point of time. And as the relationship and strategic cooperation improved, the scope and complexity of the exercise went up. And uh, you know, a few years back, we added Japan as a full, 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 full member and we became a trilateral exercise. Since 2017, at least, Japan, uh, Australia has been asking to be an observer in the exercise. But you know, India has been shying away from it despite push from US and Japan to include Australia. But this year, you know, just uh, two months back, in fact, just after the uh, standoff began in after uh, in May, India indicated that it was open to including Australia in the Malabar, which would actually make it a de facto quad. You know, even though it remains a exercise outside, outside the realm of quad, you know, in terms of uh, nomenclature. And as officials indicate, a decision has been taken on it that, you know, Australia would be invited at some point of time. A formal uh, invitation on this is awaited from the Indian side. And there were some indications that a decision or an invitation would be extended probably for the, the, the this round of the exercises, which are scheduled sometime end of November tentatively and in fact delayed because of the COVID pandemic as of now. So that has to be seen. But the fact that India is now open to having Australia in, in Malabar is itself a a messaging in some way. And just to add again, as Swasana has observed, uh, you know, while messaging on the uh, maritime front is one thing and the land frontier is a different thing, just to make a, you know, observation made by former Navy Chief in 2018, if I am correct, then Navy Chief Admiral Sunil Lamba. Speaking at an event, he said, you know, again, a question uh, raised on the militarization of Quad. So he said, you know, we see a quad as a engagement, you know, strategic platform for strategic engagement, but it's different from the border issue because he said, uh, as in his words, he said, if push, push comes to shove on the LAC, it's India and China. There's no one there. And he made the same observation that India is not a treaty ally of the US. And, you know, since then we have signed several agreements, but still the facts remain, you know, different. There's a difference between the maritime and the land boundaries, but nonetheless, it is definitely a, a, a statement of strategic intent. If 
you know quad actually gets into joint patrolling or you know phone ops because india has actually so far been even shying away from joint patrols on on a bilateral basis the first joint patrol we, we did was with france just last year so that's the significance of these statements or or developments on quad and malabar um jayant if i could just jump in here there is there is all this speculation of course uh, as incorporated about the uh, the possibility of maritime patrols in the quadrilateral what many what has excited many if you like into speculating that the quadrilateral is showing signs of um, of a greater convergence is uh, that that go- the government has now uh, said that it is preparing or at least trying to find the the common dates for a quadrilateral ministerial meeting now those these have been held in the past foreign ministers of the four countries the us japan australia and india have met on the sidelines of the un for example in the past but now new delhi is preparing to actually hold that uh, meeting of the quad ministers in delhi itself and this could be as early as october it could be in the next few weeks um and, and could be tied also to the india us what is called 2 plus 2 where the defense and foreign ministers of both countries meet um what makes it interesting is that the dates that are being looked at are essentially just a few weeks shy of the us elections and much depends really on whether the trump administration returns to power or, or whether there is a new administration uh, but even so the fact that such a meeting is being discussed at this time is significant of course new delhi continues to do its normal balancing and this week we're seeing defense minister raksha mantri rajnath singh in moscow uh, next week external affairs minister jay shankar will be in moscow as well both of them are attending meetings of the shanghai cooperation organization and they are expected to hold bilateral meetings with their chinese counterpart and clearly the lac is going to be the topic of discussion uh, so it really remains to be seen whether delhi will get off the tight rope if you like and make uh, you know a leap in one direction or the other uh, for the moment what is clear is new delhi is pursuing all its options right um one thing i should have asked uh, and, and you reminded me when you spoke about the us elections is that um, there is likely to be i mean the us political situation is not exactly in flux but they are uh, facing an election where they might see a new administration come in uh, shinzo abe has recently stepped down as uh, japan's prime minister so that's uh, two political equations that have, that have changed one is likely to change does that make any difference to uh, negotiations around the quad um this way uh, to begin with in the us there is a kind of bipartisan acceptance that uh, you know taking on the challenge of china not necessarily just being anti china but but dealing with the challenge of china is something that either whether it's a republican administration or a democrat administration it will be a priority as far as japan goes uh, we don't yet know how this will pan out but what we do know is that among the contenders are people who have been part of Shinzo Abe's own um, uh, uh cabinet or his uh, assistants or his um his office and uh, my sense is that you will see a certain continuity when it comes to the the quad relationship what's going to be key and what is really going to be um uh you know what will decide the future if you like and external affairs minister says jay shankar at a at a book launch this week for his own book called the india way really said that the two uh, driving forces in the world today is the us's retrenchment from multilateralism the us's retrenchment from its alliances 
and China's aggressive rise. Uh, and he said this is something that is going to decide what will happen for the future of all countries dealing with the two uh, uh, for the entire world, in fact. Um, so that's that's where the real changes are going to happen. It may not necessarily be within administrations in each of these countries, uh, but it's certainly going to ha have to be seen whether what the Trump administration did, which was essentially uh, break up or walk out of a lot of U UN uh, uh, organizations, a lot of multilateral agreements, uh, walk uh, certainly tell its alliance partners and in both NATO as well as Japan and South Korea, put them on notice, whether that kind of policy will continue, in which case it will be difficult for the Quad to have the kind of teeth perhaps they are promising at, at the moment. Uh, and really, how is China going to deal with the challenge to it in the next few months, if not years? If, if China decides that this is not the right time to take on the whole world at one point, uh, and and we see a certain um, uh, pulling back from this kind of very, very, you know, standoffs in the South China Sea, standoffs with India, standoffs in other places. Uh, we see a, uh, an easing of those tensions. Uh, I, I think we might uh, we might see a different world emerge. At the moment, uh, as you pointed out, it really does seem to be a bit in flux. Right. Um, perhaps one place, uh, one place to end is that... Um... I guess uh, some of the, the concerns around a militaristic quad could be that uh, it could draw India into conflicts um, in the South Pacific that it has not been involved in so far. And, um, you know, at the moment, we have a lot going on, even without getting involved in new conflicts. Is there, uh, what are some of those potential conflicts? Um, and is that a concern? Maybe, Dhanakar, you can take this first and so ask me. Uh, I mean, technically, Possible, but I think from the you know, given the Indian policy that it has always been, you know, how we have been trying to balance between the major powers and you know, we're trying to be a middle power, as you know, so to speak. I don't think that that's a little probably far fetched. We'll pick and choose where we go and what we do, even even if you know, India becomes uh, you know, takes forward the quad as a military platform in the near future, right. Well, certainly, I, I think, um, you know, at present, the real, uh, the real challenges are not in the maritime sphere. While India is concerned about any kind of strictures being put um, for traffic through the maritime uh, uh, areas, uh, obviously what India is looking at closely is what happens with the LAC. And I think um, uh, General Rawat also ma made a statement yesterday, which I think we should watch very closely, where he 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 said that I would like uh, to uh, I would I would hope that Pakistan does not use the tensions it is seeing in any way to get involved. Um, and, and I think it's significant that he mentioned Pakistan in the middle of this, because I think what what seems to be the concern or what seems to be increasingly the worry that the the standoff with China will not remain just a bilateral one, and that. There is the idea of a second front at some time in the future. Um, and I think, again, what this, the CDS often speaks, uh, we're told, out of turn or, or says something that is not necessarily the government's position at the time. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is significant that he made those comments. All right. Uh, so a lot to watch out for in this space. Uh, and I'm sure I'll have you both back on the podcast to talk about this again. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank you, Jayant. Always a pleasure.